welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, yeah, Travis McQueen. Today, we've got a topic. We're going to talk about getting jacked and not getting fat. AKA lean bulking. Lean bulking. Um, and real quick, a uh, few things. Number one, thank you for being here. We appreciate it. If you're new to the podcast, we hope you like it. Uh, if you've been here before and haven't less, left us a rating and review, make sure you do so now. Everybody who's listening, whether you're new or old, longtime listener or not, share it with a friend. Spread the message. We want to help more people. And if you have questions for the podcast, click the link in the description that says ask. Does it still say ask Boom Boom? Absolutely. I mean, no. I was going to say, it might still say that, dude. That was like what it said for a long time. Well, after I... Stop going by Boom Boom. And if you're new here, my nickname used to be Boom Boom. But no, it doesn't. There's a, there's a thing that says ask us some kind of question. Ask, ask us, us here. Ask us here. That's all it says? To get your questions answered on the podcast, Boom. click here. There you go. Very self-explanatory. Obviously, I don't read the descriptions. Um, but click that. Ask us anything. You don't have to put your name or email. Um, you can put your name if you want to, if you want to get shouted out on the podcast. But either way, that's how you get your questions answered. Um, so fill us up because we will keep recording and keep helping you get better. But uh, like Travis said, we're going to talk about uh, lean bulking today. We're going to talk about the diet, training, the cardio, the supplements, every aspect about it. Um, And yeah, I mean, let's get started. What we got first on the list? So we are going to start off by defining it. What is lean bulking? So kind of like I jokingly said really simply, it is literally getting jacked without getting fat. I mean, the goal of a lean bulk is to build muscle and not gain fat. And sometimes this gets confused with body recomposition. We have talked about body recomposition. There is a podcast on it. There is a blog on it. So we have a lot of content on body recomp. If you want to go to the website and just search body recomp, I'm sure a bunch of stuff will pop up. Um, But body recomposition is simultaneously losing fat and building muscle, right? So at the same time, I am losing body fat and I am building muscle. Um, In many situations, it is impossible. So it is very difficult in all situations, and very few situations that is actually something that is worth even trying to attempt. Um, But the reason lean bulking is uh, uh, different is because lean bulking is the process of building muscle and gaining weight, not losing fat. The difference is I'm just trying not to get fat. So there is a difference here, whereas recomp is technically losing body fat. Now, you can use lean bulking in a long-term recomp, and I think that's important to know because sometimes people think, because technically recomping is you are literally burning fat and building muscle at the same time, which doesn't physiologically actually happen. Your body's going back and forth between the process of growing muscle, process of losing fat, because fat loss is a catabolic process, anabolic process is muscle growth. Point being is like day to day you're doing both. But you can recomp over the course of months where you're you're cutting, you let's say you get cut, bulk, cut, bulk, and at the end of like multiple mini cycles of cutting and bulking, you are leaner and more jacked, which would make you recomp in that period of time. If you look at a before and after of eight months and this person lost body fat and built muscle and they say recomp, you would be like, yeah, they recomped, but you don't know that they went into a bulk and then a cut and then a bulk and a cut, right? Um, So you can use lean bulking in that process if you want to, but the goal of lean bulking is to not need that process, right? So if we are lean bulking, we are slowly and steadily building muscle mass and adding new tissue to our body, uh, gaining weight, but at a very slow rate so that we avoid fat gain, which is typically what people do. They 
build muscle and they gain, they go into a surplus and they gain fat along the way. Then they have to cut. And when you cut, sometimes you shave off some of that muscle too. So lean bulking might be a way to avoid needing the cut to get rid of the excess body fat you accumulated during the gaining phase. And, or it might just be a way for people who maybe either have uh, more insecurities about their body, more body image issues, or just fearful of gaining fat, right? We all have those people that are like so terrified of gaining on the scale. You know, I've worked with, uh, honestly, there's more women as people can imagine that go through this where they're really worried about gaining weight, but they want to build muscle and sometimes they want to get leaner, but they have to first try to build muscle before they can go into a fat loss phase. Um, lean bulking is a great strategy for that person. If it allows us to gain at a slow and steady rate that doesn't put on weight so quickly that it freaks them out. You know what I mean? So, um, but in general, like I said, what is lean bulking? It is the process of building pure muscle and trying to ideally not gain any fat, but at the very least minimize the fat accumulation along the way as much as possible. Yeah. All right. So what is, you know, you mentioned on the podcast uh, last week, what is dirty bulking? Is there even a reason to do this? Dirty bulking is the exact opposite of lean bulking. That some people even call lean bulking clean bulking, which would I think is Go a on. yeah. It's, I think it's a bad term for it because you would assume that means like um, only eating clean food, but like really lean bulking, you can still have flexible dieting, right? You just don't increase your calories so aggressively. And I, I'm assuming they what they did is originally it was like you have bulking and cutting and then people started dirty bulking and then they were like, well, let's do a lean bulk, but let's call it a clean bulk at first because it's the opposite of dirty bulking. Yep. But then you realize flexible dieting allows you to eat whatever you want. Lean bulking makes more sense. Dirty bulking is an aggressive surplus. So instead of me, and we'll get into this later at some point, like how fast you should be gaining and what your calories should be and all that stuff. But in a lean bulk, we're trying to go slow, right? So we don't create this massive surplus. We take it slow. We're just trying to gain inch by inch. Dirty bulking is a saying, fuck it. I'm going to eat the whole kitchen sink and we're going to get after it, right? And we're going to gain as fast as possible to get the job done. This used to be really popular because people started using this because they were hard gainers, right? And there's been times where I've had people where I'm literally like, hey, I want you to like, you should have Ben and Jerry's at night. Like you should just... Just do it. Eat ice cream, drink milk, add olive oil. Like you have to do things that are higher calorie because you're eating really well. You're getting all your micros in, but you're not eating enough calories because your body's metabolism is so fast, right? I had one guy that, um, number one, he worked construction, moving a ton. Number two, he had a really adaptive metabolism and he was naturally like a leaner, skinnier guy. So he was jacked, but he wanted to put on more muscle. But his metabolism was so adaptive that we would increase his calories and he would just burn them off by doing more, walking more, stepping more, training harder. Like he just did so much. He started like being more active outside. And so to try to get him to actually gain size, I had to make massive jumps in his calories. And eventually I had to tell him to eat kind of shitty because with him, he liked eating real food like I do, right? Really clean. But at a certain point, you can't keep eating more vegetables, more fruit and more oats yeah you get all the nutrients you get all the fiber you need but once you get enough you don't need more of those things to be healthier yeah you know what i mean usually that just makes you bloated or makes it difficult to get enough calories in because those are so voluminous instead we need to get dense calories so originally it was like one of the most popular things to do in these like quick bulks was uh just pouring olive oil on everything because olive oil is so calorie dense so people would just be like just pour olive oil on everything you can't not be in a surplus if every meal you're putting olive oil all over it they would put it in their protein shakes. Literally. Drink it. That's like, foul. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> drink whole milk. Like, 
with your protein shakes, anything, just calories. The problem is, is that it's not just calories that contribute to muscle, right? And most of the time, I mean, for one, calories are there to recover from what actually builds muscle, right? So yes, protein is the fundamental, uh, they're the building blocks, they call it, of muscle tissue. So they're amino acids, they help muscle protein synthesis, muscle protein breakdown. We can't build muscle without protein, but carbohydrates fuel training, right? So those are really important. Well, whole milk is a little bit of protein, a lot of fat. Olive oil is pure fat. Yeah, they're calories, but calories aren't going to do much beyond the amount you need to recover. So once you reach the amount you need to recover, just adding tons of calories, especially when they're coming from fat, it's not really going to do much for muscle growth. It's just going to store as fat. You're just going to get fatter. It's not going to contribute to growth. It's not going to contribute to recovery. A little bit maybe. It's not going to contribute to muscle. It's not going to contribute to uh, training performance. It's literally just going to slow you down and make you fatter. Um, And as you know, when you eat calories, you don't start building muscle. You train, right? So a lot of people would start dirty bulking because they're like, I'm not eating enough to build muscle. But really, you weren't training right. That's it. So dirty bulking became this way to get your calories up by any means necessary. And they call it dirty bulking because usually it just means like, hey, dump olive oil, all that stuff. Yeah, but like go have pizza, go have cookies, do whatever you need to do. Just eat a shit ton of calories and train hard and you'll build muscle. Most of the time they did build muscle because you reach a surplus and you're training hard, but then you get fat. And the reason I don't like doing this is because one, you start adding a bunch of excess body fat in your body. All your health markers are going to go down. That's not going to help you build muscle. It's going to do the opposite of that, right? You're going to be in an unhealthy place. You're going to be lethargic. When you're lethargic, your energy systems, your recovery, your performance goes to shit. You're not going to recover well. Um, Most of the time, you look shitty. So now you're adding fat. You look in the mirror. You don't see any of the muscle you're actually building. There's nothing worse than that. You are training hard. You are building muscle, but you're adding layers of fat on top of it because you're dirty bulking. You can't even see what you're doing in the gym. And now I'm not motivated because I'm just getting fat. And then the last thing is that um, on top of the lack of motivation from just looking, uh, not looking the part, even though you're working hard, there's a lot of neurotransmitters in the brain that control your mood, your motivation, your energy, uh, perception of success, all these things. And a lot of them come from food and a lot of them can be dampened or lowered because of food. So your dopamine, your serotonin, um, acetylcholine, like there's all these neurotransmitters in your brain. They will be all out of whack if you're just eating shit all the time. And if you're adding body fat to your body. So you're just gaining internal strength and not, you're getting stronger, but you're not getting leaner. You're definitely not getting leaner. Oh yeah. You probably are building muscle, but you're getting fat. So it's hard to see. That's what And the difference yeah. is, is like, if I go into a thousand calorie surplus because I'm eating pizza and every calorie I can, you are 100% right. You are going to build muscle no matter what. Like that's the only benefit of dirty bulking. I mean, it's fun. You get to eat whatever you want, but you're guaranteed to build muscle because you're definitely in a surplus. As long as your training is good, you're going to build muscle. But if you were in a 300 calorie surplus, you could probably build just as much muscle. Why not? Yeah. 300, 500 because. And visually see results. Exactly. Because that's going to keep you healthy. It's not going to make you fat. So you can see the results like you just said. But also too, again, those 700 extra calories I would be eating, 500 extra calories, whatever it is, those aren't literally layering muscle tissue. They're just there to help me recover from what I'm doing in the gym that is causing the muscle to grow, right? And I don't need those extra calories to recover from. If I can recover from 300, why would I add 700 extra? You know what I mean? So um, there's really no reason. good. Exactly. (laughs) And it's, and it's because people want a muscle gain is one of those ones that this is a caveat of lean bulking, but muscle growth is one of those, those goals that is very hard to objectively determine you are doing it 
outside of being a newbie. If somebody's brand new and fully commits, all right, you can see the progress. Your scale will grow, all that stuff. But when you're a little more advanced, even intermediate, when you're taking it slow, especially like a lean bulk, I mean, if your weight's barely changing, if you're adding muscle week by week, but you're checking every week, you're not going to see much for months. You know what I mean? So it's frustrating. With weight loss, you should be losing weight every week. You know, with dirty bulking, you should be gaining weight every week. So you see the visual progress on the scale. You're like, I'm, I'm doing it. It's working. Lean bulking is like, I think it's working. But there's a lot of reasons why it's more beneficial. Yeah. You're going to stay healthier. You're going to stay leaner. It's going to keep you going for longer. Mentally, it's healthier for you. Um, and it, it's a it's a, a teeter, like a, not a teeter-totter, but a slow-stepping process. So I can bump my calories up a little bit. See what's happening. Is it working? No, not enough. Okay, I'm going to bump up a little bit more. Maybe I do need 1,000 calories. Yeah. But if I slowly get to that, at least I know I'm not going to get fat in the process. I'm assuming you don't prescribe dirty bulking to many. So on the other hand, what would – I know you might have already covered this, but who do you say is a candidate for lean bulking? Yeah. Like, and you say it's rare, but – um recomping is rare or who's a candidate for dirty bulking or lean bulking lean okay so i think honestly anybody or, or if I, okay yeah honestly anybody um the so here here's there's two categories i would put in this so i personally don't think damn near anybody's a good candidate for dirty bulking yeah. i just don't think it's smart yeah um, for all the reasons you just listed if there was a candidate it would be a skinny 18 year old male who wants to put on size and they're checking off their health boxes, meaning they're training hard, they're getting enough sleep, they're taking their fish oil, drinking their water, they're getting some veggies. They're doing what they need to do to stay healthy. Cool, dude. Go have some fucking ice cream and hot dogs. I don't care. Like, eat whatever you want to eat, you know? If you're going to put on weight, you're going to put on weight. And sometimes people, like, especially young kids, I've worked with, like, some uh, youth athletes back in the day yeah. that I did prescribe. I still was like, hey, we got to be healthy, but, dude, you need calories because you're getting... You need burgers. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting pushed around on the field, you know? So, like, we got we to gotta bulk you up a little bit. Even if you get a little fat, it's going to weigh, give you some weight. And if you still keep your speed, we're good. Yep. You're not here to get shredded. So, yep. um, but with lean bulking, there's two categories that I look at. And it's basically just like beginner, intermediate, and then intermediate, advanced, right? So if we were, instead of making it three different, like newbie, moderate, and advanced, it's just like two categories. Like you're brand new-ish or you're pretty experienced. The reason there's two categories is because the size of the surplus that you would go into basically the aggressiveness of uh, how much calories you eat is going to depend on that. The more experienced you are, you're probably going to need to get closer to that more aggressive approach and be okay accepting a less lean bulking approach, right? Versus if you're brand new, you can get away with that because the stimulus from training is more novel. It's a more of a new stimulus that does create the process of growth. Therefore, you're probably going to grow from anything, so like, for example, that's a person who could recomp. So if you're brand new to lifting, you can lean bulk because you could stay at maintenance yeah. and just recomp. You don't even need to go into surplus. You're going to build muscle and you're probably going to lose fat at the same time because you're brand new to lifting. Once you have a couple years under your belt, you're still new to lifting, but you're not going to see that crazy recomp. You should go into surplus, but you can go into a small surplus because you don't need much to still create the growth process from happening as long as your training is good. So... I think the lean bulking side of things is for uh, the the extremely lean, I would say, like the slow, steady, not much of a surplus at all. That's going to be more catered towards people who are newer to lifting and or are people who are extremely patient. Because here's the thing, even if you are more advanced, you could still get away with going that slow. It's just going to take a long fucking time. You know, so like 
for example, me right now, I'm, I'm at maintenance, but let's say I just added a little bit of calories or even I was like, I'm going to try to build muscle at maintenance. I think I could do it. I would see noticeable progress in two years. Two years is a really long time to wait before you're like, is this working? Yeah. <laughs> and then going, oh, I think I'm building muscle or being like, ah, shit, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the drawing board yeah. <laughs> two years later. Yeah. But if you are more focused on staying lean, which like right now in my case, I'd rather stay lean than get big. So as long as I'm getting stronger and I'm lifting heavier, I don't really care if my biceps get bigger right now. But if I stay lean, I'm happy. Yep. So lean bulking on the extreme end might be for more advanced people who are just like, I don't need to get huge. If I built some muscle, great. But I'm going to go the process of trying to do everything I can to build muscle without adding a ton of calories. Yeah. Otherwise, I think it's just for people who don't want to put on fat and who have a little bit more time. But it's the same thing with like, we were talking about periodization on uh, the last topic podcast we did, the seven ways to spark new gains. And it was about the undulated periodization versus block periodization. Where block, you, you're focusing on one thing for a month, let's say, then the next thing for a month, then the next thing for a month, and then you come back to the first thing because it's three blocks in a row. Now you're playing catch up, right, to, to improve yourself on the thing that you originally started with, but you lost some of that adaptation when you were focusing on other things. So if you did a accumulation block or an eccentric block were the two different things we talked yeah. about, then you go to isometric or intensification, then realization or... Um, concentric. Now I come back to the accumulation or the eccentric phase and I'm not good at it anymore. So I got to spend a few weeks getting good at it again. Now I'm back at my baseline. I only have a few weeks to improve it before moving into the next phase. Whereas an undulated periodization approach, you work on everything every week. So you might make less like smaller leaps and bounds in the short term, but like months down the road, you're way ahead because you never stopped working on any of those things. That's kind of how I look at lean bulking. If I do like aggressive bulks and cuts, I'm going to gain size for three to six months. Then I'm going to have to lose weight for three to six months and then gain size again for three to six months. I'll have to do that a few times. Lean bulking, I can just take 12 months straight to just yeah. slowly build muscle. And if I put on a little too much fat, yeah. do, a, do a, a, a mini cut for six to eight weeks, shave off a little fat, go back to lean bulk. You know, And there's enough research in natural lifters to show that a small surplus is going to be just as effective as a large surplus in building muscle because the human body can only build so much muscle at a certain rate. Like per week, you can only build so much muscle, yeah. you know, unless you're taking steroids. So if you're not going to take steroids, it, to me, I'm like, why, why rush the process? It's going to be slow anyway. The only difference that's going to be fast is that you're gaining weight, not muscle, yeah. weight. The problem would be, I guess, this is the argument most people make with not doing lean bulking is that the, the, I don't know if it would be error margin is the right word, but like essentially, if you go faster, you guarantee you're in a surplus, you're guaranteeing you're gaining muscle from day one. If I lean bulk and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go into a small surplus, I'm going to try to figure this out, make sure I'm gaining, you could go three, four, five, six weeks before you actually start building muscle because you bump your calories up, you wait, okay, I'm not in a surplus yet, bump them up, wait, not in a surplus yet, bump them up, wait, not in a surplus, bump them up, boom, I'm gaining, okay, cool. Whereas more aggressive, dirty bulking, it's just like, first adjustment, I'm going to put myself in a surplus no matter what. I'm going to accept I'm going to get a little fat in the way. No matter what, I'm going to gain. You're at least cutting that initial process out. It's like, do you want to cut out the initial process or the the process down the road? Totally. So it's it's a person-dependent thing. But at the end of the day, I think it's for anybody who just doesn't want to put on fat. You know what I mean? And, And can either accept the patient's road or is newer to training and nutrition because the more advanced you get the more you are going to just have to accept some fat accumulation yeah 
So let's let's transition into more of the process of how to lean bulk. You've already talked about obviously calories, huge point there. Let's start uh, talking about other factors that go into when lean bulking, including macro supplements and uh, probably the best food sources. Cool. Um, so yeah, calories obviously. Dirty bulking was the aggressive approach. So lean bulking, you're just going to a small surplus, right? So we're not going to do calculations for that here because it's very difficult to do so, but we have tons of content on the website you can use. Um, there will be a blog on this soon if it's not already out. And there's another blog on the website called, I think it's called how to use a TDEE calculator. So how to use a total daily energy expenditure calculator. If you go to that, it'll punch out your maintenance calories. But essentially for your, for your calories, you just want to find your maintenance and then you're going to go, I break it down into three to 5% or a 10% increase. So really anywhere between 3% and 10% increase in calories is your caloric surplus before breaking into macros. Mm -hmm. Because we do need to still be in a surplus. And again, that's the difference between a recomp. Recomp, you're probably not going to go into a surplus because if you're in a surplus, you're gaining. Recomp, the goal is to gain muscle, lose fat. So you have to be in a deficit some days, which means you either have to be cycling calories up and down to be in surpluses and deficits throughout the week, or you have to be at maintenance. Lean gaining, lean bulking, you are just trying to gain very slowly without gaining that. So if we look at how big of a surplus we need to be in to just strictly build muscle, it's very small. If you have a very adaptive metabolism, go straight to the top of that range, 10%. If you're trying to lean bulk and you have a highly adaptive metabolism, which not to keep saying we have content on this and that, but we have a video on that. It's like how to calculate your calories for fat loss or something like that. It talks about these two different types of metabolisms. We have different phenotypes, but it really boils down to, do you have an adaptive or non-adaptive metabolism? You would know if you have an adaptive metabolism, if you're the type that's like, it, it's hard for me to cut, but I can't gain weight. And basically what that means is like, if you constantly eat food or you overeat for a week or you go on vacation or you even intentionally try to bulk and it's difficult to gain weight, it's like impossible to get the needle to move up, you have an adaptive metabolism. You probably struggle to get shredded too because when you drop your calories, your metabolism adapts in that way. You're either lowering your calories and you things slow down or you increase your calories and everything speeds up. You have a non-adaptive metabolism. You go on a vacation, you come back five pounds heavier. It's like you look at a cupcake and you gain three pounds, that whole concept. And in the reverse, usually outside of adherence, it's easier for you to lose weight because if we put you in a deficit, you're going to lose. Because if you naturally step 10,000 steps a day and I put you in a deficit, you'll probably keep stepping that for quite a while until the metabolism slowly adapts. Whereas somebody who has a highly adaptive, you put them in a, a, a deficit, that 10,000 becomes 8,000 damn near overnight right? So if you have an adaptive metabolism, you need to make that aggressive jump in your calories, even though we're trying to lean bulk, because you are going to naturally move more, step more, train more, sleep better, like all that kind of stuff. So you're going to burn more calories naturally. So 10% calorie increase for you, which is still pretty small. If your maintenance is 2,500 calories, that's 250. So you go from 2,500 calorie maintenance to 2,750 calories. Not that crazy. That's even half of what most people say to make changes with. Usually like to start gaining or start losing, you do a 500 calorie deficit. That's usually like the, the go-to number or surplus. Yeah. Um, so 250 at the high end for a 2,500 maintenance. Uh, on the low end, 3%, fuck, that's like uh, 75 calories or something. Very small. Yeah. Not much at all. 5% would be 125 calories, I think it is. So that's uh, 26, 20, or I'm sorry. 2,625 calories. So it's not very big adjustments, but 75 calories. So let's say 80, just to make it easier for math, 80 calorie increase for carbohydrates. That's going to be an extra uh, 20 grams carbs. Not that crazy, 
right? Um, most people, I think, are best going in the middle just to play it safe at the beginning. So 5%, it's 125 calories. Um, you go from 2,500 to 2,625. That's going to be an extra 45 grams of carbs, it's an extra cup of rice. Yep. Not that crazy. But that's just a little bit extra. And again, we're being extra cautious. So even if you make that adjustment and you gain zero pounds or you even lose a half pound because you start walking more, step more, cool, bump it up again from 5% to 10%. But we're still going to be in that smaller range versus dirty bulking. We're going 25%, adding 1,000 calories, just getting crazy with it. Um, we'd rather be slow and steady and patient. From there, we go into macros. So macros, we're going to have a moderately high protein intake, a high carbohydrate intake, and a low fat intake. Protein is the building blocks for, for muscle. We know this. So it's going it, to, I mean, it's technically what's considered an essential nutrient, which means we need it to survive. If you do not consume protein, you will die. Degradation starts happening. So tissues in your body just start atrophying, really. Yeah. Um, and there's not just muscle tissue. There's a lot of different tissues in your body. Uh, but also the collagen in your ligaments and your tendons and your bones and all kinds of things, right? So, um, we need enough protein for all these things. And it's also what helps us layer on new muscle tissue and recover from the training stress that we apply. So we need about a gram per pound. So technically 0.8 to one gram per pound is that range where we're not really going to see much benefit above that. Um, however, sometimes there is a benefit of going above that during a, a gaining phase, because if you're having a ton of carbs and now you're getting a bunch of protein from rice, peanut butter, oats, potatoes, vegetables, because your carbs and fats are bringing in trace proteins as well. Those protein sources are not as high in leucine or the uh, super anabolic amino acids, essentially. You're, they're probably not going to be as conducive for muscle growth, Definitely. right? Um, now, this is splitting hairs, but I still think it's really smart. If we're trying to maximize lean bulking, Number one, protein has the highest thermic effect. So your diet's going to be more thermic, meaning you're going to burn more calories through digestion, which means you're probably going to stay leaner just from having a higher protein intake. And our goal is lean bulking. So it makes sense from that perspective. And it also allows us to ensure that every meal has a high enough leucine amount per meal, which leucine, again, is an amino acid of protein, to spike muscle protein synthesis maximally three to five times a day. Ideally, if we're lean bulking, again, five times a day. That's probably the, that's like, Five times, five meals a day is where we're going to max out that muscle protein synthesis response, um, just based on nutrient timing research and everything. So we have our protein at about 0.8 to one gram, at least if not one to 1.2 grams is fine too. Then we have carbohydrates and then we have fats. What I like to do here is, is it's hard to say for sure, because typically what we will do is go, we're going to set your protein and then we're going to set your fats. Fats, we have a minimum amount we need because fats are also an essential nutrient. So if you don't consume them, you're going to die. <laughs> it's not going to, you're not going to survive. Um, I want to remind people though, as well, if you have body fat on your body, that is stored fat, that's stored nutrients. So like you, if you cut out fat, you're not going to die instantly, but also it's damn near impossible to not eat fats. So the Just problem like with most people is they think fats help hormones, fats help some of these physiological molecular processes we need to survive. So if I eat more fat, I have better hormones and, f and better processes. That's not the case because once you get your minimum amount of fat, there's really no increase in these processes. Same thing you were talking about earlier. Exactly. Yeah. So if I, if I just stack, if I'm like, oh, well, there is research to show if you don't have enough fat, your testosterone tanks. But if you get enough more fat, your testosterone increases. But if I get the minimum amount needed to maximize my testosterone, 
I'm not going to get more testosterone by adding more fats. I'm just going to get fatter. And then when I get fatter, it actually lowers my testosterone because body fat stored in your body lowers testosterone. So hell of a game. It is. And you got to find that middle ground. So that's why it's best to just have, especially if we're lean bulking, because the biggest thing to remember is that fats being too low and causing a lot of detrimental side effects to your hormones primarily happens when you're in a deficit or you're extremely lean, which is usually when you're in a deficit because you have less body fat stored in your body and you have less calories coming in. But if you are not extremely lean, which most people aren't if you're doing any kind of lean bulking because you're not going to be shredded or you're not in a deficit, which you're definitely not going to be in if you're following along here because we're going into surplus, you don't have to worry about that because the, the primary thing that's going to affect your hormones is going to be your total calories, then your fats. So if you have a low-fat diet in a deficit, yeah, you're, you're screwing yourself. But if you have a low-fat diet at maintenance or above, you're actually totally fine. Um, and, and it sounds extremely low, but like 0.25 grams per pound is actually enough, which is really low. I think I did the math for myself. I'm 170 to 173 pounds. I kind of bounce around. And I think I need to consume at least 35 grams of protein a day or a fat a day, yeah. which I'll just let you know is impossible. It's not very much protein. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. Um, it's impossible from a flexibility perspective. I, I can't even have whole eggs or a steak. Damn. You know what I mean? It's like really That's low. minimal. Yeah, because if I have my oats, I mean, there's five grams of fat right there. That's not a fat source. It's just trace fat. So like very difficult. So I don't suggest doing that. Um, but I've, I've successfully hit like 40 to 45 grams of fat on a very consistent basis, totally fine. Totally. As long as I'm not in a deficit. Um, and that's pretty low. But, but usually we will get this granular and be like per gram, per body weight. For the sake of this podcast, we're not going to do that. We're going to give you just a ratio breakdown. Um, but to explain carbs real quick, usually that's the last one you do. So you set your protein, you set your, your fat, and then you just give the rest of your calories to, to carbs, whatever that is left. Because there's no good equation of like your body weight times two. It's it really comes down to somebody's digestion, absorption rate, uh, glucose tolerance, um, what you're doing for activity and how fast you're burning those carbs. Um, so there's no good equation for it. It's kind of just like give the rest of your calories to it and then increase them as you go. Um, but carbohydrates are pretty damn important because the muscle tissue itself is 60 to 65% water. Carbohydrates soak up water and store water in the muscle. So if your muscle is basically all water and you deplete the carbs from it or you don't have carbs in your diet, how do you store water in the muscle that requires water to be a muscle. You don't, you need it. That's also going to help with replenishment. Um, it's going to help with hydration of the muscle. Both of those are going to lower injury risk of tears or, or strains in the muscle. Um, very, very important. Carbohydrates and glucose specifically are also the primary fuel source for your, your muscular skeletal system. So your muscles don't fire and operate without that fuel source. It's like gasoline for a, a car. It doesn't, well, I guess now they have electric cars, but <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't operate, yeah. right? Um, it also helps fuel your thyroid to be faster. It fuels your nervous system. Um, I know people are into keto dieting, all that shit, but carbs are also the main fuel source for your brain. Just so you know, glucose is, um, and so carbohydrates are, are one of the most important things, but there's also a lot of hormonal processes that people forget about regarding, um, insulin like growth factors so growth hormones, um, insulin itself, which is an anabolic hormone lowering cortisol, because when we eat carbs, we, we can help blunt that cortisol response. Cortisol is a breakdown tissue at times, so it can make you catabolic and breakdown tissue. So we don't want that all the time. Um, it can fuel that. Uh, there's a process with insulin that actually helps shuttle amino acids and glucose into the um, muscle cell and bloodstream itself, which you need carbohydrates to spike insulin enough to cause that. There is a lot of processes that carbohydrates fuel for muscle growth. So 
they're just as, if not more important in some cases than protein. Like protein's definitely the most important, but you just, it's really easy. You just got to get the minimum amount. Carbohydrates, we can increase a lot and keep building upon. So what I suggest regarding this podcast is 30% of your diet goes to protein, 20% goes to fat, 50% goes to carbohydrates of your calories. And then within those, you're just going to break those down into an even spread of amount of meals, um, throughout the day. So protein and fats, especially carbs, a little bit more around the actual training session, but you're going to start with those percentages. But as you go, if you need to increase calories, because again, if you do a 5% jump and it's not enough, you need to bring your calories up, you will take 5% of your total calories, bump your calories up by that much via carbohydrates. So now all those percentages get screwed because if you have a 50, 30, 20 split, but you add 40 grams of carbs, now you have like a 52, 28, 19 or whatever it ends up being. I don't know if that math adds up. <laughs> oh, I get you. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's not going to be, and that's why typically we don't do that, but for thousands and thousands of people listening to a podcast generically, that's a good ratio to start with. And you just build upon that. Um, then we'll get into supplements. So supplements, super easy. I could do a whole podcast on a big list of like, you know, I mean, I believe that it's important to take something for digestive health, something for um, normal health, joint health, all those kind of things, because we're pushing the gym, we're eating a lot of food. But if we just look at like, what is actually like from a scientific perspective, like what actually matters for muscle growth, there's really only a few supplements that I think are even, even worth mentioning. And the first one is caffeine or pre-workout. So caffeine in general is, is a ergogenic aid, which means performance enhancing supplement. It is proven by thousands of research studies. I mean, it's one of the most well-established and proven effective supplements you can take. Now, if you add the other stuff into the mix in a pre-workout, those are proven too. They're not like make it or break it. So like uh, First Form has a really good uh, pre-workout called Project One. It has citrulline, betaine, beta-alanine, creatine, all these different things. They're all helpful for muscle growth. Um, But I mean, that adds 1%, you know? The caffeine is literally the biggest driver. It's going to stimulate your nervous system. It's going to stimulate your heart rate. You're going to train harder. If you train harder, you lift heavier. If you lift heavier and more reps, you do more volume. Yeah, that builds muscle. So caffeine is the first one, the most important. The second one is going to be creatine. Creatine monohydrate, um, again, just like caffeine, proven thousands of times. It's going to hydrate the muscle. It's going to help recover the muscle. It's going to help generate more ATP, which is the primary fuel source for the anabolic, or I'm sorry, the anaerobic energy system which is going to be used primarily in strength training, which is what helps you build the muscle. Um, So creatine monohydrate, I mean, it even helps cognitively. It helps reduce injury risk. I mean, there's just so many benefits to it. It's very cheap, very effective. Again, First Form is obviously who we recommend. Um, All that stuff is firstform.com slash tailored coaching method, by the way. Uh, But creatine monohydrate is the second one. Um, Third one is highly branched cyclic dextrin or any kind of intra-workout carbohydrate. So I like highly branched cyclic dextrin just because it's the easiest to digest and, and get into the bloodstream and utilize rapidly, which is what we're trying to do. Um, this one's been debated a, a lot over the years, but there is some research that shows having amino acids and carbohydrates and study actually used highly branched cyclic dextrin as well. Um, it showed more muscle growth on the quad cross-sectional area. That's what they were testing was quad growth. Um, we don't know if it's because of, like I said, the, the insulin spike that that ignites IGF-1 growth hormone, shuttles nutrients into the muscle. Like we don't know for sure. It could be from just rapidly replenishing glycogen, minimizing cortisol, but it worked. Or a combination. Yeah. Um, and we talked about this uh, recently and Brandon did the, the topic on the carbs around the workouts. He talked about a, a meta-analysis that discussed this as well and it sh- showed there as well <clears throat> with high volume training programs. 
uh, as well as endurance athletes, obviously, but with high volume bodybuilding and training programs, carbs pre interim post are beneficial for more muscle growth. Not because the carbs just build more muscle, but because they show over the long term that you're going to be able to train harder and with more volume if you do that. And that's really what causes growth, right? Um, so I think it's worth mentioning here. Again, we're going to recommend first form, obviously, but um, the reason I like theirs so much too is because it has highly branched cyclic dextrin, it has fructose. And one thing that we haven't talked about here, but is important for people to know, is you have different glucose uh, disposal agents and systems and transporters in your body. So you're able to increase the replenishment and the utilization of carbohydrates if you combine them together. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but if I combine a starch and a fruit, that's a glucose and a fructose, I'm going to speed up absorption of those carbs. Um, you add sodium into the mix or caffeine, it actually speeds it up even more. Well, Introformance is the supplement from them. It does have highly branched cyclic dextrin, which is your glucose. It has fructose, powdered fructose in there, which is your fruit. It also has essential amino acids and it has sodium, electrolytes and all those things. So you're staying replenished from a electrolyte and sodium perspective, but that also speeds up the uptake of the glucose. And there's also fructose in there and amino acids. And I, I really don't understand why more supplement companies don't make those. To be honest with you, there's a lot of companies, maybe it's expensive to do, I don't know. There's a lot of companies with intra-workout carbs that have highly branched cyclic dextrin, but nobody combines all those things in there. Oh, gotcha. It, it kind of, it's actually really mind-blowing. Why would you not? I mean, obviously, first form. I was going to say. Did, but. Um, <clears throat> so, and, and the cool thing is if you're taking that pre-workout for caffeine, guess what? That helps the carbs too. So now you have the combo of all three. But um, the intra-workout carbs, creatine monohydrate, and the caffeine, those are the three most important supplements for muscle growth, in my opinion. Now, when we get into food sources, I'm going to keep it simple and just say 80 to 90% of your diet should be whole foods. Like, don't eat like an asshole. Eat real foods. Like, eat high-volume foods so your thermic effect is high, your digestion is good, you're getting your micronutrients in. Um, this isn't dirty. No, exactly. This is not a dirty bulk. It's a clean bulk. Um, and that's going to help your blood flow. It's going to help your energy, your digestion, your absorption of nutrients. It's going to help your mindset. It just helps everything. Now, I do believe in flexible dieting, so you should be you know, getting some foods in there that are flexible and you enjoy eating, go have a drink, whatever you're in a surplus. So you can fit those things more easily in. Um, but the majority of your diet should be like, you should be eating like a bodybuilder. You should be eating clean and eating like a bro. So you feel good. Most people who do that for a long period of time, they, they do notice they feel way better. Um, and there's nothing wrong with going to have a free meal or a cheat meal or whatever. Um, but the majority of your food should be geared around fueling your body for health, and muscle, and that's going to be eating whole foods. So fill your food with easy to digest whole foods like oats, rice, sweet potatoes, carrots, spinach, um, peppers, mushrooms, all those kind of things, lean meats, uh, lean steaks, um, good whole, uh, not whole, but low fat dairy, but like from um, good sources, so organic sources, cottage cheese, Greek yogurt, eggs, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, fruit already said produce and then fat should be mainly monounsaturated fats, but you should get a little bit of saturated fats in there because that does help with hormones. Um, there's some research to show that, uh, but monounsaturated fats are going to be avocado, olive oil, nut butters, things like that. Um, a little bit of polyunsaturated fat from fish oil, things like that. But the majority of your fat intake should be monounsaturated. That's going to, um, actually probably help you stay leaner too. Um, because as you can imagine, like, and this is why, they talk about um, clogged arteries and stuff with too much saturated fat. If you have some saturated fat from coconut oil and a steak and shit like that, don't worry. You're not going to drop dead from heart disease. But the point is, is, is they talk about that because saturated fat hardens when it's, uh, when it's at room temperature or cold. You know, it has to be heated to be liquid. Monounsaturated fat doesn't. It's like yeah. an oil. So 
theoretically, and I think there is a little bit of evidence on this. I, I can't remember where I, I read this, but there's not, it's not something that they study very often. Um, but theoretically, saturated fat would be harder or easier to store and harder to burn because easier to store. Easier to store, harder to burn, yeah. Um, And there's a lot more health benefits typically associated with monounsaturated fat. That's why, like, the Mediterranean diet is so popular and such so good for health. Yeah. It's just filled with monounsaturated fats. Totally. Um, So when somebody's in the lean bulking phase, mm -hmm. how, like, what do you tell people, like, uh, average number or whatever? Obviously, it depends on how fast should they be gaining. Yeah. This one's tough because mainly depends on... Um, how fat, like, uh, not fat, how fast, um, how fat you are, how fat you want to get, uh, how long you've been training. So for example, I'm going to gain at a slower rate than you. I just have more years in the gym. So it's going to take me longer. So my rate of gain is going to be much slower than yours. Um, if I was comparing, uh, you, you and Joe's, you're going to gain at a faster rate because you're a male. Males just gain muscle faster. Um, and they have a higher genetic potential. So what you can do, and you can research this, um, it's not something I'm going to break down on podcast might be a good topic to dive into as, as a podcast though, but you can find out your, uh, natural genetic potential. So like your ceiling of muscle growth, um, based on research done on the FF, FFMI, um, fat free mass index. So fat free mass is all mass that is not fat, which means muscle. Obviously, that's tendons, ligaments, bones, organs, things like that too. But you can actually, there's some research to back up a calculator and you can literally formulate what your genetic potential is. Mm. Um, And you got to take it with a grain of salt. Usually there's like a range. But um, for example, I did it and I was like, damn, I actually could be bigger than I am right now. I have a, a, but then you go, okay, what's the top end of that? What would that require for me to get there? And for me, it's like years of like real bodybuilding. Not gonna happen. So, uh, but you can you can go that route, and then that can kind of help you see where how far you could take it. Because the reason I say it is because, like, let's say I research it in my fat-free mass genetic potential. Um, for if I type in, I want to be eight percent body fat. This is my height, weight, all that stuff. It tells me one hundred eighty pounds. I only have ten pounds to go. Being an advanced lifter, I know it's going to take a long time because I have a slow rate. But if I was brand new and I only had ten pounds to go, I could get that way faster. Or if I have 30 pounds ago, I can have a faster rate because of those 30 pounds, because I'm new to lifting and I'm 30 pounds away from that genetic ceiling, the first 20 pounds are going to come on way quicker because I'm brand new to lifting. The last 10 pounds are super difficult. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it really depends on your experience level. I usually say um, a safe bet for uh, beginners is anywhere between um, anywhere between one to two pounds per month and for more advanced people up to one pound per month. And that sounds very slow, but that's about a quarter of a pound per week for somebody who is an advanced lifter. And you could push that. Maybe you want to just make sure you're gaining. You could push that a pound and a half, two pounds, but you're still not gaining more than a pound a week. As a newbie, at max, you're gaining one pound a week, at max. And usually even for somebody who's lean bulking, um, you're probably going to be intermediate that we're talking about this. Because newbies, it's, it's totally different. And I've even seen it to where... You gain nothing, 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 three pounds in a week. And it's like this weird, the body just works in weird ways. So you kind of got to look at it from a, a, an average perspective after whoop, a few months. The, whoop, the whoosh, whoosh, yeah, whoosh effect yeah. in the reverse, essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that would probably be my, my general recommendation is, is no more than a pound a week um, for, for damn near anybody. Uh, but more advanced lifters, you're probably going to be looking at lean bulking. You're going to be at a, a pound a month. 
is like good yeah. because, and it's not crazy because if you think about it, at the end of six months, you're six pounds heavier. I mean, like that's actually like, I always use this example, which sounds cheesy, but take six steaks that are a pound each. Yeah. Slap those on your body. Yeah. It's a lot of fucking meat. Ribs. Yeah. Wait, it, does the training, is it, would you, would you program differently for different people or for beginners for intermediate or? I don't think yes, but not for dirty bulking versus lean bulking or fat loss versus lean bulking or anything like that. Um, hypertrophy training is hypertrophy training. Mm -hmm. So like training for lean bulking is no different. Okay. The only difference is cardio. I would say if you want to add, some people need to add, some people don't. So, um, we've done, whether they should be doing it or not. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we've done so many podcasts on training that I won't go into that, but generally like you should be mainly training in the eight to 15 rep range. Maybe compounds can go anywhere between three to six. Um, and then you have higher rep training only so that you can essentially fit more volume into each session. You should be training at least four days a week and upwards of six days a week, but you need to be able to recover. And your total weekly volume should probably be somewhere between 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week. You do all that, you're going to be golden. You know, that's, I mean, that's training in a nutshell for hypertrophy. And that includes lean bulking. Totally. Um, and then cardio Usually for lean bulking, I'm like, hey, just have a high knee count and then give yourself like one day of conditioning. However, if you are more advanced and you need to have six days of lifting, you shouldn't do one day of conditioning as well. You should just focus on knee. Your step count should be higher for general cardiovascular health. But if somebody's only training four or five days a week, I do think there's an advantage to do some kind of conditioning um, as long as you're not trying to gain so fast, which would be this category of lean bulking. And that's because if we develop the uh, anaerobic anaerobic energy systems through cardio based conditioning, you're going to be able to recover faster between reps, sets, uh, days per week. Your blood flow is going to be better. Your uh, nutrient partitioning and utilization is going to be better, meaning you're going to use carbohydrates better during your sessions for for fuel and for recovery. Um, it, it's just one of those things I think gets neglected. But there's a reason why athletes are so athletic. And a big piece of that is because they do a lot of conditioning. You have to. The metabolic system has to be primed. So um, I do think there's an advantage. But if we're looking at cardio for fat loss, you need more of it. If we're looking at cardio for performance, which is the case here, you don't need that much. One day a week of some conditioning, you're golden. You just need to kind of um, keep your finger on the pulse, so to speak, and just make sure you're you're staying healthy aerobically, you know. Um, yeah, I think that's... Lean bulking. That's lean bulking in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, a 45-minute nutshell. Love it. Um, so if you want to lean bulk, cheesy call to action, head over to taylorcoachingmethod.com slash online-coaching. We do this with a lot of people because we work with a ton of people who do want to build muscle. They want a leaner physique, but they don't really need to go into some crazy fat loss phase. They need to build muscle. They need to stay lean, um, and that's what we help them do. So if you want help personally, head over to taylorcoachingmethod.com, and we got you covered. Uh, thank you. As always, for listening to the podcast, and we will catch you next time.